Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show to be able to learn about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the expert, free land education, guys. Hi, my name is Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate Sutton Properties, along with my co-host this morning. Good morning, Teresa Martin. Hello, Lou Jewell. How are you? I'm doing great. We're going to have a great show today. You excited? I am. I know. This is, I've been wanting to do this for years. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street, next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.allsuttonproperties.com. That's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N, properties, plural, dot com. <laughs> All of our shows are dedicated to Realtors Land Institute staff and members. The site, our national website, is www.rliland.com. Hey, guys, if you want to save money or make money in, land, in a land transaction, go to that website and find one of our agents nationwide. We're highly trained, uh, especially accredited land consultants. Uh, you want to work with the best. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub.com is the place to be. Teresa, our guest today is Joshua Bonney. Welcome, Joshua. Hey. I was going to say where you're calling from because we're all calling, but you're here in the station with us today. Yes, sir. So where do you live? I actually live in Kernersville, North Carolina. Okay, just down the road. Yep. Not, not too, too far, far away. So we're going to talk about our subject today is land in the Bible, uh, and but we also want to introduce you and your company that you represent first um, because you are a divinity student uh, and you've got quite a quite a record here with uh, Regent University uh, up in Virginia Beach. I bet that was hard duty. <laughs> Master of Arts, right? Practitional Theory and Church Administration. And then you went to Mid-Atlantic, and this is regressive, uh, Atlantic Christian <laughs> University in Elizabeth City. Uh, and got a Bachelor of Arts in Youth and Family Ministry and Valedictorian there. Uh, aviation uh, Orient School, that was uh, military. As the Marines, yes, sir. And uh, go Marines. And Johnson right. University in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where you got an associate arts and biblical studies. But primarily your professional life, you've actually devoted to uh, religious institutions, right? Uh, for quite some time. Yeah, that's been quite a, quite a uh, wonderful experience, I'm sure. And it has. That'll come through in our show today, some of the things that you've learned and observations as we talk about the Bible and land. So before we get there, uh, tell us a little bit about American Recruitment Counselors. That's in uh, Greensboro, right? Yes, sir. So we're based out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, though we do have a couple offices, one in Salisbury and one in Pilot Mountain, but our home base is Greensboro. And so at American Retirement Counselors, you know, our slogan is we work for you, not the insurance company. And um, <clears throat> we do this in quite a few ways. Uh, first of all, we do what's called a comprehensive review of client situation, and we focus on four major areas, traditional health care, hospi post-hospital care, life and legacy, and income and savings. Uh, we get to know you and, and build a relationship with you, and through that, we get the information we need to find ways to first see if we can help save someone money. That's always our first goal, to save a client money. Uh, and then we work on getting better benefits. Sometimes we're able to do that for free. Uh, and then we also help protect against uh, financial pitfalls that could happen down the road. Again, that's caused by one of those four main areas. And so uh, we also recently completed a course on Social Security. So I'm now a Social Security Advisor cool. Certificate Holder. Okay. Uh, certification which enables me to help seniors maximize their Social Security benefits. Sometimes people have more entitled to them they don't even know about. And so our job is to help them get that. After all, you paid into it, right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> And so as a company, we're focused on long-term relationships that are mutually beneficial and leave our clients in a better place than they were when we first met them. And so at the end of the day, our goal is to take care of people and treat you like we would uh, our family. Okay, and at the end of the show, we'll uh, give uh, give you a chance to uh, give your contact information. Do you guys Absolutely. have a, a website? We do. Um, the easiest one to look at is www.getarcnow.com. 
arcnow.com. So getarcnow.com. Or you can look at American Retirement Counselors. Okay. Is it for easier. people that are already retired or people who are getting ready to retire? You've got a few more years, Teresa. No, that's a good question. Actually, I want to retire. <laughs> well, actually, that's an excellent question because we help people at all stages. Okay. And in fact, the younger you start thinking about things, these things and planning, the better off because you have more options. Because some of the things we look at, do you look at health questions? And so when you catch it, will you have a better health? And when you do it younger, let's just be frank, it costs less. <laughs> and so sure. uh, our job is to, again, help you plan as well as possible. I'll catch you at any stage of life, whether you're the beginning of life or, you know, a little closer to the end. Mm-hmm. We are we're there for you. I've even actually got stuff for my kids. Okay. So you said something about health insurance? Yes. How do you help with that? So we are able to help sign people up for Affordable Care Act is one of the areas we look at. And we okay. look at your income. We look at what options are available. Uh, we also do have some private insurance um, as well for people that are under 65 or unable to be on Medicare. And then, of course, we do Medicare as a big area that we work with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people don't even realize that if you've been on disability for more than two years for Social Security disability, so there's two different types of disability, but if it's considered the SSDI, people are actually eligible after 24 months for Medicare as well. Oh, okay. And so sometimes I meet people that didn't even know they had Medicare, and I can help them get extra benefits using that. So well, That's cool. Yeah. And this, this, this um, uh, interview is all free. So, yep. um, and then you come back with a proposal, you look exactly. at the needs and you come back with a proposal and say, you know, for this, you, okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes we make decisions, help make decisions on the spot. And other times we say, let's take a little bit more time and get some more information. Sure. Depends on the situation. How long have they been in business? Uh, the organization as a whole has been around since 2004. Okay. Though the owner of the company was doing it for about 20 plus years before right. that. So. And as the laws change, which they're constantly <laughs> changing. You know, you need this stuff updated. Absolutely. Uh, because there's, especially with uh, in the last year, or two years now, almost, mm-hmm. you know, there's been all kinds of stuff out there, and they haven't even written the laws for it. Money and money dispersed yet. Yep. Uh, that you guys can help say, hey, we're anticipating in the next uh, six months to a year that this program is going to be instigated, and if so, then it's going to change your benefits, uh, you know, hopefully positively. Exactly. Good, but negatively, too. you got to plan for that. True, true, so, we've, uh, and we've done a good job of educating people, too. Um, I don't know if you know, but last year something came into effect called the SECURE Act right. that, forced uh, that on the positive side, pushed people back to age 72 before you have to take out those required minimum distributions, those RMDs, as they're infamously known, unless you are already taken them. Right. Uh, but the negative side is now the government wants their tax money a little bit quicker. It used to be you could pass on to a family member other than your spouse, and they could take a lifetime to take the money out. Now they have to use it within 10 years, or they have to take it out within 10 years and pay taxes on it. And so we found a lot of people that didn't know about that. So our job, again, is to educate and get people more aware of what's going on so they can make better plans. So when someone comes to see you, is there anything they need to bring with them? or Actually, we typically will go to someone's home. Okay. If they're comfortable with oh. it. If not, then you know, I can meet you at Panera or whatnot. Oh, that's but, cool. But we, come to the, we want you to be comfortable in your place. And if there's information we need, we want you to be able to get a hold of it quickly. Okay. So, But well, you don't necessarily have to have that. it with the first session, mm-hmm. you know, because right. they'll give you a list of these things that we need to help mm-hmm. you out. So, Yeah. It's, uh, Does your website have a list of things that? Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay. And so we kind of, and you know, everything's custom, right? It's so it is c- exactly. That's okay. wh- and that's why we like to do it in person because everyone's situation is different. Right. That would probably be a large website if you tried to absolutely. Well, that's why we tell people today. They say, "Well, can't you just mail me the information?" I say, "Honestly, if I mailed you all the info out there available, it'd be several boxes." Uh, the reality is, I need to get to know you so I can give you the info that actually matters. Sort of like you. what we do in real estate, Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we do a profile, what your yep. and wants and needs and your tolerance, you know, your risk tolerance and uh, what your goals are. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a professional approach. Exactly. Okay. All right. Um, How would you like to get into my favorite topic, Let's the Bible? Let's get into your topic. Okay. All righty. You know, as, uh, as most people know that listen to the show, I actually am the only land instructor in the state of North Carolina for our continuing education requirements for the 108,000 agents in North Carolina uh, four-hour class called Introduction to Land Brokerage. And I'm also privileged to teach our two-day course all over the country for the Realtors Land Institute, 
called Lamb 101, and I do that through our 18 chapters we're hired uh, to do so. And once I get my class started, I throw the question out, and actually I do it outside of class, but I ask, can anyone tell me when the first real estate, Teresa, <coughs> when was the first real estate transaction ever recorded and where? Well, you already know the answer. I already know the answer. Where, where was it? The Garden of Eden. Okay, what was it? It was when God created the earth, I imagine. And gave the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. So that was the first land real estate transaction, right? Right. right. What was the second one? The second one. Well, you've got my notes say it's when, I, I'm having a hard time with this because I'm looking. Well, let me help you out. Yeah, please it's do. when God gave uh, the land to the Israelites. Right. Okay. So that was a land transaction that's recorded in the Bible. That's the second one. And when Abraham's wife died, uh, he, in the Bible, in Genesis, he went and actually bought land to bury his wife. Right. So I'm just wondering if there are any more. Let me ask our guest. Well, there are quite a few land transactions, if you think about it. Okay, tell um, us about them. Probably the biggest one after those would definitely be well, well, we'll get to that one in a second. That's a okay. little further down. I know you and I talked about Lot was another big one. Exactly. Uh, and so when Abraham and Lot, their their men, their shepherds were fighting over the land because there wasn't enough to go around, Abraham basically said, Lot, you look and you choose a portion of land that you want for yourself, and I'll take the other portion. And then that's how Lot ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah, or near Sodom and Gomorrah, and then later on in Sodom and Gomorrah. So that um, was four, Teresa. That's cool. I never thought of it like that. What was another one? And then uh, the next one was, uh, the next big one is definitely the promised land. And I think that's one that um, can be a big topic to focus on. Uh, cause that could probably be a whole show. Couldn't that it? could absolutely be a whole show. Uh, so you know, numerous, numerous uh, passages on that. Absolutely. So you know, for those that may not know as much about what the Promised Land is, because you know, these days not everyone knows as much about the Scripture. Um, basically, when God called out Israel from Egypt, took them out of slavery and bondage, and brought them into the land. First, they had to wander through the wilderness for forty years because they had misbehaved, is what is a nice way to put it. Um, appropriate and appropriate yeah <laughs> and then God brought them to this land and it was the land of Canaan and this is what was considered the promised land and that actually goes all the way back to Abraham you've mentioned him just a couple minutes ago that God had promised him a land where he would have descendants that would number like the stars uh, and they would have this land and it would be a land that was flowing with milk and honey and we'll get back to that description in a few minutes okay. and why that's important uh, but basically, this was going to be their land. This was going to be their home. This would be where they would establish their identity as a people. Uh, and it started with one family, just an old old man. He was 100 years old when he had his first son. Wow. Or, well, his first son of promise. His hope for us all, Shadow. Yep. I'll take that back. His first son of promise. His first son was the son that he kind of did his own own thing and went outside of God's plan and had Ishmael. Uh, but his son of promise, Isaac, was when he was 100, so yes, <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> Seems to be always one in the family, right? There's always one in the family, exactly. Um, and then they brought, they came to this promised land, and that was where God said that this would be their, their settling and their home, and everything would center around this land. You know, you know a lot of the conflict in the Bible was about land, and I never even stopped to mm -hmm. consider that. Think about the business you're in and yeah. conflicts we have, <laughs> right? Yes. It's, Absolutely. Uh, well, and and not to get political, but that's what a lot of the conflicts we're seeing in the Middle right. East o are right. over about now. Well, yeah. that's Whose history, land is it? But that's history, too. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, and that's still the lineage of Ishmael, right? Yes, the Arab nation, <laughs> it traces itself back to Ishmael. Yeah. And then, of course, the Jews trace themselves back to uh, Isaac. Yeah. But both from Abraham. Family rivalry. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, you have one son, so it's just between your son and the dog, right? <laughs> Teresa? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, there's so many things I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. I guess I you mean, can I've say that. I mean, I've got nieces and everybody else, so no, I have lots of children. And mother. Gotcha. Mother. I guess we can say that family issues have always been a problem. Yes. 
Hey, our guest today is Joshua Boundy, and this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com. Josh, you know, we uh, mentioned four land transactions so far that we've noted that were uh, recorded in the Bible. Are there any more um, there are, that we want to talk about? You know, there's over 100, way over 100 oh, yeah. listings of the word land in the Bible. Uh, so, but, uh, but like you said, the promised land could almost be a whole show. But anything of yeah. significance that, that you might want to bring out? Another significance would be... Uh, Boaz and Ruth. Uh, okay. But before we talk about that, let's hit on exactly what led up to this. So, um, give with, the story. Within the Israelite community, the of course they divided the land. They divided it into twelve tribes, and then those tribes divided the land between their clans, and then between the families within those clans. Um, and the way it was supposed to work is that each family had their plot of land, and it was always supposed to stay in that family. Uh, of course, there were times when people came on hard times. And they may have to loan themselves temporarily um, as servants, or they may have to loan their land temporarily to uh, pay a certain debt, to take care of different things. And so the way that God had set it up was that every seven years, there was supposed to be um, a chance for, there was a, a smaller jubilee. Every 50 years, there was a huge one. But every uh, seven years, there was supposed to be a jubilee period that basically anyone who owed debts um, including land debts, had to be forgiven of those debts wherever, however much they paid off, it was forgiven at this point, and any land that was taken was restored, restored back to that family. And the purpose for that was because they wanted to keep the land within the family. Well, you know, mother's family, and I've talked about it on shows, but uh, <clears throat> we're very blessed to um, have my great-grandfather and grandfather buy 18 farm tracks between 19 and 1929 and 1929 in the northern part of Surrey County, north of Dobson, mm -hmm. and beautiful rolling foothills, unbelievably gorgeous, yeah, yeah. almost like the Garden of Eden to me. But, yep. um, you know, we're six generations now, and every inch of that original property has never been sold yep. to anyone outside the family. So that's, again, this is actually exactly. what the Bible tells us or suggests that we should do. Absolutely. Uh, good, good stewardship and, and uh, yep. lineage. And uh, you know what? There is one other unique, very unique transaction What's that? that I just remembered. So typically the land would pass to the firstborn son. Right. And that's how it was typically supposed to happen. But there were instances where there were no sons. And there's actually a recorded instance in, I believe it's Exodus, uh, where Moses has two sisters come up to him and say, well, we don't have any brothers and our father died. Where does the land go? And so he said, as long as you marry within your clans, you will become the owner of that land. And so there were unique circumstances where the, the daughters would actually get the land. Um, but again, that was abnormal, but it showed that keeping it in the family was of such importance that there were exceptions made to the norm in order to do that. And so all that said, um, there were times when people... Uh, needed that land restored, but uh, if you look in the book of Judges, <laughs> you'll find out the Israelites were not living the way they were supposed to. Imagine in fact, that. there's a statement multiple times that says there was no king, and people did what they thought was, or did what was right in their own eyes. Right. And so in the midst of this terrible time of Judges, where people were acting incredibly wickedly, you have this beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz. Um, and so, long story short, Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. Naomi... And her husband and her two sons leave. They go to Moab because there's a famine in Israel. And so during that time, the husband dies, both sons dies, but uh, they had already married. So she has these two daughters-in-law. And if you don't know anything about biblical Jewish culture at that time, women typically did not have the ability to earn money outside of out, other than maybe selling a little bit here and there. Uh, often, unfortunately, prostitution was one of the ways they would have to go because if they didn't have a man in the home to provide in that society, they were kind of stuck. Um, and so here she is in this destitute situation with no one that can provide for her. And so um, fast forward, Ruth stays with um, Naomi, even though Naomi says, go go find another husband. Who? What am I going to do? I can't provide you any more sons. Uh, but Ruth goes back with her to Israel, even though she knows she'll be an outsider. And then in the midst of this, 
she she happens. You see, I've got my little fingers going for quotes. She happens to walk into the land of one of um, Naomi's kinsmen named Boaz. And she's going there to glean, basically go back behind the harvesters and take whatever's left over. It was something that they allowed for the poor to do so they could, you know, have food. And so this was the way that she was able to provide. But Boaz took notice of her, fell in love with her, basically, because he he saw what kind of woman she was, the character she had, how she was taking care of her mother-in-law. He had already heard things about her. Um, And so at the end of the day, he ends up marrying her. What's interesting, though, is that typically uh, this actually could put that man at risk because now he's, yes, he's getting the land, uh, redeeming it for his family, but he's also taking on the responsibility of providing an heir uh, to that land. And Boaz knows that you know it could in- affect his own inheritance for his uh, any kids or servants he may be passing that land on to. Uh, but he takes on Ruth, and he takes on the land, and they have um, a, a son named Obed. And if you know anything about Obed, he had a son named Jesse. And if you know anything about Jesse, he had a very special son named David. Um, And so I love this land story because, one, it shows an opportunity for redemption of the land and bringing these people back into their place. But um, like I mentioned to you, it also shows this beautiful, it's like a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do to redeem humanity um, at risk to himself. And so it's just this unique, beautiful story in the midst of, terrible terrible times of judges but it shows that when people are doing the right thing and in this case it was revolving around land uh, but why that's so important is and this is something you and I had discussed we live in a society where I can go to the grocery store I can get anything I need at the grocery store for this society they were an agrarian society which means they relied upon the land for everything And that's why that statement about land flowing with milk and honey is so important to them. Um, To us, it's like, okay, milk, honey, great. That's a couple things on my grocery list. To them, that that meant so much more. It meant um, that it was fertile land. It meant that they could get the produce and and the livelihood that they needed because, again, they couldn't go down to the local grocery store. They relied upon uh, their land and then, you know, their local farmers that might have some extra produce or things like that. But uh, land was so vitally important to them. It's still important to us, but we're so far removed from it, unless we're farmers, that we don't realize how important land is. Right. Uh, and becoming them, more so. Yeah, becoming more so. Absolutely. You know, Teresa, too, uh, you know, we deal with, because we're basically in the foothills or the mountains of North Carolina and Southern Virginia, uh, topography. And uh, if you go back, uh, the average citizen, the average person in those times, there were no automobiles. Uh, they had donkeys. Uh, but, you know, the average person, it was not unusual for them to walk 15 to 18 miles a day or more. True. Uh, True. And during that walk, I mean, you're looking and observing uh, ridges and hollows yeah. and stream courses and, and crops and so on. And uh, so, uh, you know, that that's also illustrated in the Bible, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the topography and the terrain and, and the fertile soil and uh, so on. So, uh, you know, another part of real estate uh, yep. I mentioned in the Bible. And you're right, there are times when it talks about going up to or going down to, right. and that's not necessarily north or south. Sometimes that's literally up a mountain or and down, down the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully not rolling down the mountain. <laughs> hopefully not, yeah. But, uh, you know, and the other thing, too, is is over the centuries, you know, the area changed hands by the mm-hmm. different different uh, families and different, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, countries, I guess you'd call them. Yeah. Uh, you know, through the wars and the and transition. I mean, even Egypt, that was, you know, they'd already lost uh, Israel and they were slaves. Yep. And, and now they got their promised land. And, uh, and then over the centuries, uh, Jerusalem has been what, uh, recaptured uh, several yep. times. Well, and uh, one of the other things that we talked about is um, the identity of the Israel people of the, of the Israelites. So much of it was tied to the land, and that's why when they were carried off in the captivity, they were so broken because they were carried off from their land, from their homes. They were also carried off from the center of their religion, their faith, 
because Jerusalem is where the temple was at. Um, and so th- there's even Solomon, we won't go into all that, but he has a, when he dedicates the temple, he talks about when we are carried off to far off lands because apparently he knew it was going to happen. <laughs> well, um, it, it, was it, 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 it was, yeah, it was prophesied. And, and so, um, and you can say, I believe the Spirit put some of that in his mind too, but saying that when we're in far off lands, we'll look back to Jerusalem. And we'll look back to this land, and that's we'll pray for our return. And uh, one of the things that we had looked at verses is Amos nine fourteen through fifteen. It says, "Also, I will restore the captivity of captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine, and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land, and they will not again be rooted out from their land which I have given them," says the Lord your God. And so this was a hope to them. It was. For them, this was something to look forward to of that return. Now, of course, many people would die in captivity, but some would see the day that they would return home. Um, and that land was just so, such a precious thing to who they were and part of their identity as a people. And it still is. And the Bible also taught us how to, how to garden and how to grow. Yep. And, and uh, I know Zechariah 8, 12 through 13, it talks about, for these will be a piece of the seed. And the vine will yield its fruit, and the land will yield its produce, and the heavens will give their due. Mm-hmm. And I will cause the remnant of, of these people to inherit all of these things. And it will come about as <clears throat> it will come about that as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah, house of Israel. So I will save you, that you may become a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. So uh, you know, it's uh, there's some gardening in there too. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's amazing, uh, just a thought uh, as we're just having this discussion for, you know, and not everyone believes in, in, in God or the Bible. Everybody has their own choice, and that's fine. Uh, but I just want to express my thoughts of the Bible is that uh, it's the only book that I've read, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite prolific in my reading, but it's the only book that I've ever found that solves all of men's problems. Anything that you can think of that's a, that's a problem or an issue, past, present, or future, there's a solution in the Bible. Yep. It's the most incredible comprehension of, 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 of life uh, that we enjoy here or should yeah. enjoy. Uh, so uh, just want to make that comment. Absolutely. Absolutely. <coughs> Teresa, what you thinking? Well, I'm just sitting here thinking about how, you know, what, what both of you just said because we was talking about Ruth and Boaz and, and Naomi. And... I have heard the story all my life and never really understood the significance Mm -hmm. that every, literally every word in the Bible has significance. And if Mm. you don't, I've heard that story so many times. Yeah. And it never dawned on me like that. That's the beauty of the Bible. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a reflection. And and as you mature and have more experiences and you go back and maybe a chapter that I've read a hundred times, you know. Yeah. Or I may be in Sunday school or in our beautiful church, New Hope Baptist Church in Dobson, north of Dobson. I'll give him a shout out. It's an incredible pastor. But it awakens something that, that you, you, you never really thought about or yeah. in, the, in the perspective that, you know. Uh, and, and, again, that's the beauty of, of reading the Bible and reading the Bible and reading the Bible. Exactly. Uh, well, you can't just read it. You have to study no, it. No, you have to study it. And, and if you read it, the, it just doesn't. The significance does not become apparent. So like taking on the real estate course, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I wouldn't know about that. She does. She griped <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I don't understand this because it's learning a language. Yes, but it absolutely. was learning a language. And, and, and the Bible is a language. Exactly. Well, in that sense, it's similar to the training I had to take for my life, health, and Medicare. It's a, it's a language. Exactly. You, you have to study it to make sense of it. Even a radio station is a language. Oh, that's, that's true. <laughs> Promoting. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that, that, that uh, like I said, I've really been wanting to have a show on this as it relates to, uh, to ourselves, but to real estate. Wow. Uh, because, uh, you know, the guidelines that we have, our code of ethics and, mm-hmm. and our preamble, uh, upon all is the land, uh, is our preamble. Uh, you know, it's uh, all important to uh, understand this stuff and how it all fits together. So... I'm glad we're uh, discussing this this morning. You know, our, our guest today is Joshua Bounty. He's actually with Insight Human Services that we talked about. 
and uh, we'll go back and let him talk about that a little bit more towards the end. But um, uh, this is Let's Talk Land. Hey, I'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub. Looking to sell your land? Try LandHub.com. So, Josh, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at all the notes of all the land transactions that there are in the Bible. And I've, so far I've been mesmerized and I've really enjoyed this. But I'm, I'm looking now at Revelations and it's talking about, in Revelations 21, 1 and 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. How are we tying that into land? Because that's like a concept, so I'm confused. Absolutely, that's a great question. And to really get into that, we need to kind of go backwards a little bit. Go back to that first land transaction. And you think about Adam and Eve, um, and God created the world. It was perfect, it's, and he actually describes it as very good by the end of the creation yeah, series. Yeah, I'd like a little piece of that. I know, absolutely. You're speaking my heart, actually. Um <laughs> And, and by and, the way, and, we will. And absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Well, and that's, um, you look at what God's design was with creation, and you have all these animals living in peace. There's no death. Not not a plant dies, not an animal dies. I mean, they ate, ate the plant, so I guess you could say the plant dies. It was but, recycled. Uh, but it was recycled. There we go. <laughs> um, and But there's no, no fear. There's no pain. There's no suffering. Um, and... and there's a later passage after the fall and the curse that we'll get to in just a second that makes it clear that up to until sin entered the world, it was it was an easy life. Uh, right. They worked, but you see that the work is a fulfilling work that's not exhausting. I mean, Adam's first job is to name all the animals. Um, I, I have a favorite comedian that talks about, I think he ran out of creative juices at some point in time, and he just starts calling, you know, a fly, a fly. It flies. He couldn't think of anything more exciting to call it. Um, but he, he has this amazing responsibility to care for these animals, to tend the garden, not because the garden couldn't produce for itself, but it's just the responsibility God gave him to care for that garden. Um, and you get the the idea that this is, a, I don't I guess fun. I guess you could say fun. It's a fulfilling job. It's rewarding. Um, and it's something that's enjoyable, and he's, it's not hard labor, and he's able to get the things he needs and take care of these creatures. And he's got this a beautiful woman by his side, uh, and together he and Eve have live in paradise. God's original design was this beautiful paradise uh, where they would enjoy his, his fellowship. They would enjoy perfect unity with the animals. Um, I've joked before that I looked. Uh, there are days that I look at those tigers in the zoo, and I just want to go snuggle with them. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they'd bite my head off. Mm -hmm. But there's still that innate desire to be near those creatures. And sometimes it's because they're dangerous and fearful, but it's like there's something that's in us that says, I want to be one with this beautiful nature around me. And that goes back to our original design, the way we were created to love the animals, to care for the animals, to love the earth, to care for the earth. Because uh, it was given to us, you mentioned the word stewardship, right. and that's the perfect word. Because this is this world is not ours; it, we didn't create it, <laughs> we haven't sustained it. It's not ours, but yet we get the privilege to take care of it temporarily, to tend it, to enjoy its fruits, to take care of it, and and that was done perfectly and beautifully in the Garden of Eden. And unfortunately, when they chose to sin and eat the the forbidden fruit. Um, they lost rights to that garden. They lost rights to not only the tree. They of were life, foreclosed on, Teresa. They were foreclosed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, realtors! Oh, realtors! But absolutely, yeah, they were foreclosed on, and their foreclosure included an angel with fiery sword. Right. Um, that's a little harsher than a bank, I think. Uh, but I don't know. I've seen some pretty aggressive bankers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that one to you. Um, but in the end, you see that they they lose this beautiful paradise. Um, and so now sin enters the world. There's death. There's sorrow. It doesn't take long before a brother is killing a brother and multiple. Just It just becomes this tragedy and to the point that in Genesis 6, you have Noah. And God comes and he cleanses the earth of humanity except for these eight people. Um, and so it's just like this cleansing, this renewing for the earth. Uh, but it doesn't take long before Noah builds a vineyard and gets drunk. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and his son's trying to pass well, out. Well, he spent all those days on that right. ship rocking and pouring all the animals and all the, I mean, God, you know, I'm sure God gave him a little grace. Yeah, well, but but that that also just points out the fact that the real problem wasn't resolved, and that's why Christ had to come. But you look at the land, you look at this beautiful creation, you look at how we're designed to enjoy it, but now we don't get to enjoy not only the fellowship with God the same way, but we don't get to enjoy creation the same way. Sure. Uh, the animals, many animals fear us, whereas there is a time when Adam and Eve could walk up and you know, be right there with the animal and enjoy perfect harmony with them in the same way that the lion could be with the lamb, as Isaiah talks about. Um, and it's this beautiful picture of the way that it's supposed to be harmony and pure joy being with all of creation unfortunately when sin came in that that wall was broken down but you know the world is harmonized it's the humans that aren't uh in our shows uh, mm-hmm. uh, with we Apple do mess Bill. up the order that's for no, sure no i mean we we talk about there was Just a, like <coughs> Noah bailed in yeah, no but there's yeah. remember the lady that that, that uh, the biologist up in canada that uh, some 30 years uh, trying to prove that flora and fauna and the trees they yeah. all talk to themselves through the root system and she proved that. We had a whole show on that. Oh, wow. You know, and to the point even when you snip a branch, it'll emit a sound, not ouch, but, you know, there will huh. be a wavelength that uh, during that process uh, or a limb is broken or snapped off and, uh, you know, but the whole world is connected. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're into this uh, uh, connecting universe now, but uh, everything works in harmony. Uh, the survival of the fittest, the Darwin, is not true. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and we've got new science now, and the world's evolving again uh, every 26,000 years. Uh, it goes through a cycle. But, uh, you know, it's for the humans. We're the ones that's destroying the earth and killing each other and so on. The harmony is with nature, not with humans. And, you know, hopefully that's the revelations that we all expect and uh, that that transition will be made permanently. Well, and yeah, and that's exactly where Revelation comes in perfectly to answer your cre- your question, Teresa. So it says, I s- Revelation 21, 1 through 4, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Uh, and the reason it mentions no longer any sea is that in Scripture, or in Jewish apop- apocalyptic literature, the sea represents chaos. It represents those things that are, I mean, in the same way that when the, the disciples went out on the Galilean Sea, there's an understanding that the sea is unpredictable. Right. One minute it's perfectly fine, and the next second, boom, there's this terrible storm. And so it's it's related to chaos, unpredictability, and potential for danger. So there's no longer any sea. And I saw the, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Um, and then Revelation 22, 1 through 5, adds to that. He showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the land. In the middle of its street on either side was the tree of life, uh, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. Um, and it's just this beautiful imagery of the end product. Sometimes, um, and we'll, we'll dig into that some more with Isaiah, but sometimes it's we think of heaven and earth, or the new heaven and new earth is just far off place. But the reality is, when we look at Scripture, you, you realize this is the earth that we have. Now, there will be a cleansing, there will be a fiery melting and restor- restoration of the earth, but it'll be this earth again, but it'll be renewed back to what it's supposed to be. Um, almost back to that original land transaction, you could say, except now we are changed, we are redeemed, we're no longer, when this new heaven and new earth come in, we're no longer flawed, we're no longer sinful or broken, so that we can take the perfect care of it that we're supposed to. Um, and then there's also just, I love this imagery about that tree of life being there again. Yeah, that's Because when they got foreclosed, <laughs> uh, God said that Adam and Eve, it would be wrong to leave them in the garden where they could eat of the tree of life and live forever. Not because God was cruel, but because God is gracious. And he knew that if they stayed alive forever in that broken, uh, wicked state, 
that's not an existence he wanted for people. And so that's why we we die, and then when the new heaven and new earth have arrived, we get to enjoy that if we're part of the family. Um, and that's that's so much more merciful and gracious. Um, along with that, um, I love Isaiah six or 11, 6 through 9. And this is, I'm sure you've heard this passage read before. And it says, The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and, and the bear will graze, their young will lie down, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. <laughs> That's... I don't know about you, but what do you what do you think of when you see that kind of imagery? Before I talk more, sounds like that property I was showing up in Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds amazing. Absolutely. You know that's the beautiful thing about being a land broker, Teresa, is we're in nature. Our office is nature. Yeah. And you know, like yesterday, uh, two and a half hours with a beautiful couple and their handicapped daughter of thirty-seven years Mm -hmm. old, just the sweetest. And I've been working with them for months. Yeah. uh, we're out on a beautiful wooded piece of property with this incredible watercourse going through it. And it's this big rock outcropping. It's like two mushrooms, tops that have settled on top of each other. Yeah. But it's 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 like a thousand square feet. It's huge. Yeah. And you could hear a pin drop other mm-hmm. than nature. I always tell my clients when we're out walking, I said, you, you don't want to buy this land. And they'll look at me and I'll say, why? And I said, well, it's just so noisy out here. But it's just nature. And, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Nature didn't have any problem with me yesterday. We're I was blessed, the land blessed to have this vocation. Run into I, a I snake and ran. <laughs> I've seen so eight snakes in 30 years. If, I, if this was going on like we just read, I wouldn't Why have run Why do women always snake. see snakes? I don't know, but I saw like four. <laughs> One this morning. Well, and, um, and I just I love this imagery because it's just this, you see, and, and it, that passage goes on to say you will no longer have to say, know the Lord, for the, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And, and along with that is right behavior of all humanity. Exactly. But there's just this, we're like gonna, I said. We're going to get there. I, like I said, it's this beautiful, I, I love the concept of being in tune with nature and being able to enjoy all of the creatures out there. Um, I'm an interesting person. I'll just put it that way. I was actually talking when I was helping with youth ministry with this group of teens, and we were walking on the boardwalk. We were out on uh, in the Outer Banks. It was for, not sorry, not the Outer Banks. It was uh, Myrtle Beach doing a, a youth retreat, and we're out here on the pier, and I got them thinking. I was like, what can you imagine if one of the things that happens when the new heaven and earth come is, and there's no more death, what if we could swim under We could breathe underwater. What if we could just swim down there, hang out with the sharks? And I mean, because there's, I mean, it, it, there's clearly going to be animals there as well, along with people. And so it is a new creation. What if we can fly through the air? And what if we have the ability to do all these things that we can't do now, uh, or that we do with fear of death, but we can do them with absolute peace because we know there's no death. Right. I mean. I don't know. There's no biblical evidence for us breathing underwater or flying through the air, but what if? Because I think sometimes people think think about heaven, they think about harps and clouds, uh, and that's just, it isn't what Scripture shows. Instead, you see us coming back to our original purpose, caring for the earth, enjoying creation, enjoying each other, having the harmony we were designed to have. And it's, uh, it's, for me, it's great. I don't... well, there, there's just there's the, the one word that's always come to mind. Uh, repetitively, I see it. Mm-hmm. It's all around us, uh, and it's just what God's all about, and and it's the four-letter word love. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I watch where people have uh, passed and come back, and mm-hmm. the description, and and it's pretty much the same. Uh, but the one word that they use is it's all love. When I mm-hmm. saw Jesus or when I saw God. It was nothing but the most incredible expression and feeling of love. I can't describe yeah. it. No. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's and, and, and I feel that way in what I do. I mean, I, when I get out on land, I, I love it. It just, I feel that love mm-hmm. all around me. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, quantum physics now is, is the acceptable science. <laughs> and it's where everything is connected. I mean, the whole universe, it's yeah. uh, what comes out of our mouth uh, is what we get, you know. You, you, yep. uh, you, uh, you ask as if it's already happened and it will come. 
uh, as opposed to ask. And people say, I pray and I ask for things, and it never happens. Well, yep. uh, there's the right way to pray, and it's, uh, it's, it's taught uh, that uh, we should imagine and feel and smell and sense that it's already happened and thank God for it. Absolutely. And that's how you receive. Um, and I was thinking, uh, out of curiosity, what do you guys, when you're out there working in the land or in a we garden don't work. or something? I haven't worked in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> when you're out mowing your lawn or doing landscaping. That's work. <laughs> or, you know, digging in the garden or something like that. What kind of, what does that do for you? I know about me, but I'm curious about you. Oh, I love it. That's, that's the one thing. I'm sitting here with this brace on my knee, but I can I go love. outside and walk on the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's even different from walking in my house. Absolutely. It, Spend it 15 minutes a day yeah, it's barefooted, different. and it will realign you. Mother Earth will realign yeah. uh, you. That's a wonderful I, I think I'll try that. I've tried everything yeah, yeah. else. But yeah, there is something to be said with being in touch and contact with uh, the land. Yeah, I was thinking that because, you know, for me, there's a, a particular, and I, my wife sometimes get it, gets it, sometimes doesn't get it. Because um, sometimes there are things I want to do, and she's like, "You sure you don't want a professional to do that?" Because I've seen your work. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. It is a personal problem. I'm not the best guy with axes and things like that, but I like to go out there and do it because there's something. Again, it's getting back in touch with the original design to tend to nature, to take care of things, and and my garden's the size of maybe slightly larger than this table. But for me, there's a joy that comes in planting the seeds, going out there, watering, um, pruning things back, taking my three-and-a-half-year-old out there and and teaching him. Sometimes it also involves telling him not to pull that up, pull this up. (laughs) Yeah. but um, It's a learning process. It is a learning process. But he's also getting to learn the joy of of tending our little garden. And we might get some food out of it. We might not. Um, We always get random plants that pop up. think we have one now that looks like it's ornamental pumpkins <laughs> from our compost <laughs> you have to but google it i'll have to google it yeah because we had gotten some last year and i think that anyway it's it's just fun there's there's a there's something to it's like we have this creative nature inside of us it comes out through things like creating music creating artist work or things like that but it can also come through enjoying helping being part of the the life creating process in gardening and seeing those things that were just a seed now sprout and become something that's, again, it's something that's in, innate in many of us. Sometimes it gets drowned out by life, but there's something in us that's drawn. I know for me, going out into the woods and just spending time out there, seeing what animals I can see, that kind of stuff for me is one of the places where I connect with my creator. Um, usually it's a peaceful occurrence, usually. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get your real estate license, and, and I'll teach you about land. Cause that's there you go. You there just you. described it. It's perfect. Ah, there you go. So back to the Bible. Uh, what other lessons do we have that relate to uh, to real estate that we can come up? Teresa? <laughs> Teresa's over there digging through my script. Well, I don't know. I'm just, I am sitting here so amazed that, that, this, has, that, that this has come together. <laughs> <laughs> because I really didn't know where we were going, and well, we got a good and God. I complete yeah, we Thank do, and I sure. completely get it now. It says, "But the humble will inherit the land." Yeah, that's in Hebrew. I was I was literally just looking at that one. Yeah, yeah. see, we're on the same wavelength here, guys. So that's I think that goes back to what we were just talking about. Yeah. And, and then Jesus, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the gentle, for shed that they shall inherit the earth. That goes along the same lines. Um, oh, Numbers 33, 35, 33, You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that's shed in it, except by uh, the blood of the one who shed it. And that's talking more about murder, but it's still, it fits in here. Oh, this was one other thing I did want to hit on. Um, Exodus twenty three eleven. It says, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie foul. So we talked about restoring land, but there was also the idea that every seven years you would let the land lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. One of the ways we know um, the truth, oh, this goes on to say, one of the ways we know that the truth of the Bible is rooted in reality is the story of the Bible the trauma of God's interaction with humanity unfolds in a real place. Um, 
and this is, you know, it's real God engaging with real people across a timeline that goes for thousands of years in a specific part of the world. I might be reading your stuff here, Lou. Yeah, that's fine. That's why, that's why um, I provided it. But it's um, this, going back to the seventh year, it's almost, you, you know, it's almost like God knew what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah, you think so. <laughs> and he created this order that was supposed to um, allow the land to recover to get those nutrients back, um, to get those things that actually benefit us back. I even think about George Washington Carver taught, found ways to, to what's the word I'm looking for? The crops. He crop would change rotation. Crop rotation, thank yeah. you. Um, I'm glad you knew what I was talking about. But, yeah, crop rotation to make sure that certain nutrients were restored to the earth so you would continue to benefit. Um, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, I've learned over the years that one of the reasons we have so many vitamins we take is because – we don't get as much nutrition from our food as we used to because so much of the land has been drained of the good stuff because we've overused it. Um, and so, again, it goes back to this concept that God created the, the land, and so he knew what it needed, including that rest, to the point that when the Israelites were put into captivity, um, I believe it's Jeremiah that mentions that they would spend 70 years in the land of, of captivity because for 490 years they had not given the proper jubilee to the land. And so basically God was giving the land all those 70 years of jubilee and being allowed to lie fallow that the people had never given it. Um, and that kind of comes back to something I think you and I have been hitting on is that that stewardship. We have a responsibility. Okay, so in the Old Testament we find the connecting points between the land, life, and theology. There's the three great pass festivals, Passover, uh, which was when they spread the blood over the doors, uh, first fruits, so that's the uh, when you get the first fruits from the harvest and the end gathering, uh, and, and all those things relate to agriculture. So right. it corresponded to the beginning and the end of the harvest, and the rain is considered the grace of God. Food on the table is the blessing of God. Drought is a time of testing. The land also supported the herding of sheep and goats, so it was easy to describe God's care as his shepherding, Psalm 23, and Jesus as the good shepherd. Real land, real life, real people, real God. Uh, but Israel was a difficult land to live in from a political point of view. The surrounding kingdoms were in an almost continual threat, and part of that has to do with the geography of the land. If you look at a map of the region, you'll see that there's a small strip of land hemmed in by the Mediterranean Sea to the west and the Arabian Desert to the east. Then to make things even more complicated, the region to the north and east, known as Mesopotamia, was home to a succession of aggressive empires, Assyria, Babylonia, Persia. Uh, to the south and west lay the great land of Egypt. So Israel is a small bridge of land between sea and desert, standing in the way of superpowers to the northeast and the southeast, um, southwest. And so this explains much of the history of the Old Testament. Old Testament. It's amazing. There were even brief times when Israel was strong enough to have security and stability. Think of this small nation in the midst of great powers, and yet they've survived for centuries. Yeah. Talk about um, someone watching over them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so finally, uh, it, so going through all this stuff, you see there's uh, they had something called the Shvela. It's the foothills that slope upwards to about 1,300 feet. And it's on the coast side and the gentle hills. We're talking about the geography. Yeah, we're talking about the geography. Um, there's also hills of the Frigil that are fertile, crisscrossed with olive groves and fig trees. So this is, and you'll see that throughout Scripture. Uh, it's also the battleground for many fights in the areas of Joshua and Judges. And it's the region where David famously stood up the Philistine champion glass. So you can see that so much of what happens happens in this small got them all trapped in the geography. Beat them. There's so many stories that for us it feels like it's all over the place, but many of it happened all within the same small radius of land. But it also relates to the whole world. It's, it's Absolutely. Over. How so? Well, I don't disagree, but I'm no, curious. No, but I mean the same thing happens all oh, over yeah. the world. You know, and, and, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and even war strategies are based on geography. Uh, absolutely. But, uh, but go further because that's a nice, nice so, yeah. And so moving, moving east again, we come to the central mountainous region, including Judea and Samaria. And these low mountains rising to just 3,500 feet are rocky limestone hills undulating across the landscape. Jerusalem sits on a set of such hills, as does Bethlehem. Then you have the Jordan River Valley, which drops dramatically from the central mountains to below sea level. So that's what we were talking about, going up and down, up and down. <laughs> yeah. And then finally to the east again, there's the high plateau region known as Transjordan, 
uh, rises. And, and from here, Moses viewed the promised land that he was not allowed to enter. And in the north, it's the fertile plain and productive sea known as the Galilee, or as Galilee, and more about that when we get to the New Testament, um, and that might be another story. Uh, and this is the land, more than geography on a patch or patch on a map, it is central to the covenant promise of God, and yet by the time we get to the New Covenant, we find that God's geography and the mission of his people extends to the whole world, just as he promised Abraham, absolutely. Uh, it said, all peoples on earth will be blessed by you, or blessed through you. And so that's, and that's a great way to end, you're right, because it starts with one family in one land, and yet God's plan the whole time was to bring us back to the original land and creation that we were supposed to enjoy. That, this is an incredible show. Did you learn anything? You were reminded of stuff, weren't I you? I was reminded of stuff. You already know all this stuff. <laughs> I right? was reminded. Well, I mean, we do. I mean, I, I'm not saying that uh, maliciously, but, uh, you know, it's uh, if you're no, a good it's Christian. it's true. It's true. You know, it's uh, from the time I... <laughs> we have to be right. reminded because we are people. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, absolutely, yeah. There's, that's a whole sermon right there. So, Joshua, you've been a great, great guest today. Thank you so much it. for sharing your knowledge and your expertise and your love of the Lord. And, uh, and um, as it relates to real estate, we did point out a lot of things uh, that's, uh, that's uh, in the practice that Teresa and I do and others. Mm -hmm. And those that uh, enjoy the love of the land, the buyers and sellers and owners Absolutely. and stewards. And so, uh, you know, but um, Joshua, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so a couple quick ways. Um, you can email me at josh, J-O-S-H dot bondy, B-O-N-D-Y, at myarctools.com, or just give me a call. I'll give you my cell phone. That's probably easier than trying to do the office phone. It's 704-905-3075. Again, 704-905-3075, and that is my cell phone. So just give me a call or a text if you do that. And I'll be happy to set up a time to come out and see what I can do to help you. Yeah, please take advantage of that. That was something I'm more than aware of. And by the way, we'll be talking to Teresa, too. I'm sure you're helping our friend Rodney over here and his family. So, Sounds uh, good to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we'd appreciate them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public, but most importantly, for the real estate agents who do not have a source of land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show this morning on our master website, www.letstalkland.net.net. You'll also find us on Spotify and Podbean. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at teresa.mylandpro at gmail.com. And my email is lou at mylandpro.com. My cell number is 336-669-1405-1405. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, landhub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. Make sure you check it out. Rodney, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the simple radio app. How simple is it? Very simple, very simple. Just simple. Simple. Simple radio. App. But it's simple radio. Yeah. You have to put both words in, right? Right. You can't just put in simple. No. Keep simple it simple. Radio. Keep yeah. it simple. We're just keeping it simple. Gotcha. So what happens simple when they radio. do that? Then they go to WKTE1090, add it to your favorites, and hear us anywhere in the universe. Oh, we're at the universe now. Yes. Oh, okay. oh wow. Worldwide. Worldwide. So when I'm traveling with the Avengers, I can still listen to you. You can, yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. And we only play what, <laughs> Teresa? Happy music. That's right. That didn't sound very happy. Mm. I know. My throat <laughs> cracked. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cracking. Maybe Teresa Josh throat. can do it better. That's right. <laughs> happy music. There you See, go. He's I love happy. It. See? And by the way, we have a wonderful <laughs> contest because for six years in a row, we've been what? Uh, number one on the East Coast for being the top beach and oldies radio station. Beach and oldies. And guess what that music is? Yes, Happy music, that's right? That's right. So we have this beautiful logo, which uh -huh. is the wave, right. with our call letters, WKT 1090 AM. Mm -hmm. And the contest out there, guys, is to take that wave. We want to keep that as a base, but make it happy. Mm -hmm. So you can put words in there like number one happy station, or you can put an emoji. Uh, like a smiley face or anything creative, we want to keep the base. So we want to promote and express that we are the 
happiest music radio station in the country. That's right. Actually, in the world, since we're yeah. worldwide, okay? Mm-hmm. So this contest is going to run for until uh, August 31st, and there's a $500 we're donating, Teresa and I are donating to the winner. That's right. And uh, so get out there and go to our website, which is uh, WKTE1090, our new website we just updated, mm-hmm. and submit your entries, and we'll select the winner and uh, go from there. That's right. Now, you won a nice award, too. Yeah, Reader's Choice Award for Announcer of the Year. Mm. All right. Yeah. Maybe why. you might be next. Who knows? I don't know, though. You got a nice voice, brother. (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoyed the show today. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.